This podcast is the design of City Sites Urban Media, and our goal is to bring into focus the difference between culture and God's ideas found in His Word. To learn more, go to citysitesurbanmedia.com. Do you think that immigrants are stealing American jobs? Yes. No, I don't. No, I think we need the immigrants. We need their, um, we need their help here. So how do you know an undocumented immigrant's not going to steal your job? Not worried about it. Few Texans are as eager to welcome the National Guard as Lorenzo Anzaldúa. His family's land has become a highway for illegal immigrants, such as these women with children who came across the Rio Grande River just a mile or so away three weeks ago. It's like a funnel. Many wind up in nearby McAllen, Texas. 76% of the illegal immigrants in this recent surge have come through the Rio Grande Valley region. I'm frustrated because we should have never gotten to that point in that situation. And our government has put us in that situation, and that is wrong. We are being invaded. And the quicker the politicians realize that it's an invasion, the quicker they'll close the border. Go to the local meat processing plant or the chicken processing plant and watch who comes out of that plant at quitting time. Hispanics and Africans taking what are pretty tough, dirty, rough jobs because others don't want them. Not many of us say to our sons and daughters, I'm hoping the day will come when you decide to go and pick fruit for a living. Hardly ever hear that because we know it's hard backbreaking work and immigrants do the work. This is the City Sites Podcast with Larry Kutzler. Immigration is one of those defining issues of our day. People want to come to America because of the opportunity that it presents. The migration of people around the world is at unprecedented numbers. In fact, we are now witnessing the highest levels of movement of people on record. About 258 million people, or one in every 30, were living outside of their country of birth in 2017. The latest revised projection is that by 2050, there will be 450 million international migrants. So why are people on the move in such numbers all over the world? Could this be something God is doing, moving people away from their home of origin and allowing them to come in contact with people of faith? If this is true, then how are we doing as the church to make contact and fulfill God's reason for them coming to our neighborhoods? This is an interesting dilemma since churches in general have few ministry hours devoted to reaching the immigrant populations. Regardless of the reasons people are on the move today, the real question is, as they arrive in our communities, are they coming in contact with the gospel? I would like to explore this with Pastor Rollin Wells, who has had years of experience working to educate the church on how they can develop cross-cultural ministries to reach these new cultures coming to America. Pastor Rollin Wells has been a pastor for more than 40 years and mostly ministering in the inner city. 25 years ago, he founded a training ministry called Mission Shift that helps to define how we go about reaching other cultures with the gospel. Today, we want to talk with Pastor Wells about immigrants and the church. Welcome to the City Sites Podcast. So, Rollin, tell us why your emphasis is on those we call immigrants. In, in all of human history, there have been some key turning points on which the whole world changed. And these don't happen very often. The invention of fire, 
I think could count as one of those. I think as Europe gained in technology and so forth and began to colonize the rest of the world in the 19th century, that had never happened like that. And I'm not saying it was good or bad. I'm just saying that that was a turning point. The invention of gunpowder was a turning point. The invention of the wheel was a turning point. And there have been migrations of people. But today we're going through something which is unlike any other time in human history. We've got people from everywhere going every place else. We have Latinos going to the United States, and they're going a lot of other places. The Chinese, millions and millions of Chinese are all over the globe. So, And we've heard about all of the immigration from the, the Mideast and into Europe. The movement in Africa, uh, people on the globe today are moving from everywhere to every place else. Nobody saw this coming for. 40 years ago. The futurists talked about this stuff. They never dreamt that the developing world, basically anybody can get any place else in the world. They can Plane tickets are cheap enough, or however they want to get there, people will go from place to another place. The grass is always greener. Well, let me jump in and ask a question, because I heard a Bible commentator say the other day that one of the reasons people are on the move, just exactly what you're saying, could be a move of God in the last days to get people to hear the gospel. What do you think about that? Yes, there's never been a time quite like this. It's kind of like at the end of the Tower of Babel. God told people to go out and be fruitful and fill the earth. And then people said, no, let's all stick together in one place and let's uh, build a tower and let's show how important we are. And God says, no, I'm going to separate you. And maybe it's not a curse. Maybe it's a blessing that to fulfill his, his promise, to fulfill his command that they were all given different languages and sent out to various parts of the earth. Well, now we're seeing these people from various parts of the earth spread all over the globe, like I said. But not only that, we have a, unlike any other time in history, the New Testament could spread all over the ancient world because it was written in Greek. That was the the common language of the day. And then later on, Hieronymus, or as we call him, Jerome, translated it into Latin, and then it went into the western half of the Roman Empire. And just with those two languages, they covered much of the ancient world. Well, today, against all odds, English has become the universal language, which is really quite amazing. When I was in college touring Europe, very, very few people spoke English. It was just very uncommon. And today, I am amazed that I can go almost any place on the globe. I can go to China. I can go to South America. I can go to Mexico. I can go any place in Europe. I can go to the Mideast, and everybody speaks English. It's the language to get ahead. So now, all of a sudden, we've got one shared language. He's created English as, a, as this universal language. And now we're at the point where they're talking about, in the next five years, having apps on your phone that somebody can talk into, and you, through your headset, will hear their translation in real time. Yeah, well, I think we have some of that today, actually, but uh, yeah, it'll only be more prolific. Let's take a listen now to how some people are reacting to this migration overseas. Milan is the high altar of the fashion world. The manufacture of top-quality clothes has made it the richest city in Italy. Thanks to the flair and business acumen of the textile industry, the economy of this city has thrived since the mid-20th century its success touching places as remote as the Far East. Today, Milan has its very own Chinatown, a Chinese quarter right in the middle of the city, which continues to expand. Initially, it was just a few of them. Within three years, it was 250, and now we have 500 shops in this narrow place. The long-time residents of the area, who look back nostalgically on the past, are giving him support. They feel edged out by the Chinese. The small stores where I used to shop have sold up, 
Even the butcher's gone. There's no one left in our quarter now. The Chinese keep themselves to themselves. They exclude others from their circle. They're completely self-contained. A great deal of the migration that is happening is based on basic need, and uh, certainly people who are looking to find employment, who are looking to improve their, their situation, and it's largely because they're coming from situations of, of a great deal of poverty, as well as a lack of, of opportunities and, and of employment and of other social protections. So let's talk about all these immigrants coming to specifically the United States. I think sometimes we get influenced by conservative talk show hosts or we get influenced by the culture in general that immigrants are bad or immigrants are here illegally, so they're lawbreakers. But God has a different idea. And, and really, your idea is to reach them for the gospel. I mean, there's a political aspect to this, too. We're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about the people that are here and what is the church doing about it. And so that's my question to you. What is the church doing about all the immigrants that are currently in their neighborhoods, whether they're legal or illegal? Almost nothing. They're doing almost nothing, and that's very troubling. Some of us have been raising this and working on it for 20 years in the Twin Cities and trying to communicate and teach and so on. The church is very weak today. It's very old. We don't have the people power in the churches for the staff to do this sort of thing. They don't know how to do it. They don't know how to do the cross-cultural piece. Our churches have become like fortresses. In Romania, there are castle churches that where the Germans went there in 1200 A.D., that's 800 years ago, and they kept their German language, and they kept their German traditions, and they kept their German culture, and they didn't mix with the Romanians, they didn't mix with, with gypsies, the Roma, and they have remained separate, and when times get tough or things get crazy, they have these churches that have six-foot-thick walls, and they drop the drawbridge and close the shutters, and they're all nice and safe inside. Well, you know, a lot of our denominations, many of them have ethnic backgrounds, whether it be Norwegian or whether it be Catholic. Catholic, Polish, or Latino, or whatever. And these are places where we can all tell the same jokes and we all understand we've got the heritage thing. A lot of churches will have a very strong identity, a political identity. Everybody believes the same way, votes for the same people, same theological point of view. And we end up with these places where I feel safe. And then we've marketed the church in such a way that it's all about you. And so we, instead of making disciples, instead of taking, asking people to pick up their cross, and instead of being bold and bringing together people like in the Acts 13, we have people that are all like peas in a pod, and they don't want to go outside their fortress church. They want to stay inside where it's nice and safe, you know, have the same understandings, and everybody laughs at the same jokes, and we feel safe. Dr. Timothy C. Tennant, president of Asbury Theological Seminary, had this to say about our theme. But I think we have to also look at this from a Christian perspective. What does it mean for us as Christians to think about immigration into our country and how we respond to it? The European descent peoples, which mostly propagate North America, propagate North America, in every case, uh, every demographic level is in decline. This means that as every year goes by, there are less and less uh, white Anglo-Christians in North America as well as Western Europe. Uh, it's averaging around uh, 13,000 less Christians per day in Western Europe and North America. So when you compare that with what's happening in the immigrant communities, it's dramatically different. The uh, Chinese, the Korean, 
the uh, Latino, these groups are the most likely to either be Christians or become Christians. So the immigrant population, 86% of the immigrant population in North America are likely to either be Christians or become Christian. That's far above the national average that we've ever had in our country's history, actually. So the immigrant population actually presents the greatest hope for Christian renewal in North America. So let's unpack that just for a moment. But from a theological basis, when we're told to go into all of the earth, why is that so wrong that we stay safe in our churches? Sociologically, churches have become clubs. Sociologically, I believe the churches today have become safe places for people who are just like me. Recently, I've had some time on my hands and I joined one of the service organizations, the Kiwanis Club. And the one I joined happens to be in my suburb and it meets during the day and it's all old guys. But these aren't all old guys from the same background. To be in it, uh, you've got to have advanced degrees. They don't say that, but they're university professors and uh, physicians and all kinds of stuff. Don't know how I ended up in that bunch, but they're all people that that have a lot in common, and they get together and they do charitable acts in the community. But there's also kind of this thing like, you know, well, we're we're geezers who have uh, have abilities, and aren't we cool that we're old geezers and we can get together and share this that we once upon a time we were important. What's going on in our churches? This is at a place where we can feel like we belong, like the VFW with people of our own social standing. Somebody we've got something in common with, some place where we get safe. Well, the churches have become really inbred, and they talk a good talk, and they know the gospel, and they know the Bible, and they're excited about doing outreach. And then they're particularly thrilled with doing cross-cultural outreach the further away it is. So what do we do about it? I mean, how do we start changing the theology or the practice of what you just described, the sameness? How do we get out of that, and is it possible? Well, you know, if you went to go join an ethnic congregation, how long would it take you before you could understand the sermon in that language and all the rest of the things it would mean to be a church member. To fit in, well, that's what we ask of anybody from another culture to come and join our churches. We need to start multicultural churches for the 1.5 and second generations who have the English skills and would have the commonality of being the children of immigrants. The 1.5 generation are the ones who come here when they're children, but their language has already developed, so they'll always have an accent. Second generation are the ones who are born here. That's one option. Number two is for these immigrant churches. By and large, they are big-time lifeboats. They belong. They belong, and they feel comfortable. Now, their kids might not understand the language, and the kids may all walk away from the church, and that troubles them deeply, but they don't know what to do. So how do we do it? Well, we're going to have to do a whole bunch of things. Well, there is a bridge that has to go both ways, right? The immigrant church has to reach out to the English church, and the English church has to reach back across that bridge because it is a partnership. The gospel should always be the first and foremost in any culture. Culture should not trump the gospel. So if if the gospel is number one in our hearts and in our minds, language or culture should not be a barrier to working together to reach all of the immigrants that are coming into our country. Well, you said that the immigrant church should should reach out to the existing Anglo or African-American church. Why? 
what would they gain? Well, I think they would gain the strength of that church in culture. So I think there there's a partnership there, not only partnership between just believers, but just partnership that the gospel can go forth and seen as something that is multicultural. Do you understand how rare that, that is? Do the, does the listener understand how rare that is? Because these immigrant churches, the people are all working like crazy. They're working two, maybe three jobs. They don't have times. The pastors, many of them, of the of the brand new immigrant churches are tent makers. They're, they have a real live job, plus they're being a pastor. And where do people find time to go out and, and reach out to their other neighbor churches? I mean, but look at our Anglo churches. Look at our churches. How many of the churches do anything with the other churches in the neighborhood, let alone of their own denomination around the city? You're absolutely right. I'm not saying it's easy. Culture is a problem on both sides. But there has to be something, Pastor Rollin, that breaks that paradigm that has kept churches apart from one another. Again, the, the, the churches are afraid. They're very gray-haired. We aren't seeing the young people coming in. They know Jesus, but they don't want to take their Sunday mornings off. They, they don't want to have to be tied down to constantly having to help here and help there. With women working outside the home as the norm, the ability of, of the people of the churches to become involved in their own churches, let alone to reach beyond themselves, we haven't figured that out yet. So the key thing is it comes down to, I don't think we're going to see the coming together of the churches except maybe through some special events. I don't know if we need to have big meetings. Maybe the day of big meetings is is over. They say the day of conference is over. I don't know. But bottom line is this. Every day at whether it's Home Depot or at Target or in the next cubicle over, we've got the chance to talk to people. And that's all it takes. Something has to happen. And my question to you then is, if we fail as the church to be the conduit for evangelism amongst these new people groups, what will happen? Paint that picture for us. Ever read First and Second Corinthians? Yeah, I do occasionally. <laughs> <laughs> Corinth was a town that was in the little isthmus between northern and southern Greece little narrow tongue of land, they had a, a roadway that they could take boats and they could put them on, a, on carts and they could roll them across this roadway, kind of like the Panama Canal, and take them in and drop them in on the other side of Greece. It saved hundreds of miles of sailing through some of the worst, most treacherous waters in the Mediterranean. So it was a crossroad. Every religion was there. Every people group was there. And it was a wild and crazy place. And as we can read the Corinthian church, that whole multicultural, multi-religious, multi, multi, multi place was a pretty crazy place. And they had some problems, but apparently, you know, God was able to work through those. And Paul, I'm sure, probably had a flat forehead from going, oh, now what? So a second Buddhist temple was just put into place within three miles of my home. We're going to be seeing more and more mosques. You know, John Mayer talks about the hundreds of mosques now in the Twin Cities and the Hindu temples and all the rest of it. Uh, we're going to be a marketplace of ideas and religions. We're going to be syncretistic. Our young people are already, their heads are spinning and they wonder what truth is. It's going to be a very challenging time for the church. And the church needs to prepare for that. You're right. The synchronism of different ideas and, and religions is definitely a part of this culture. So does the church of Antioch, coming back to the book of Acts, is that an example for us? Because there you had several cultures coming together to make a church work from both Gentile and Jew, and they went into the outermost parts of the earth. Is that a model that could be reenacted today? Well, this is where God began the outreach, and it wasn't in Jerusalem, it was up in Antioch. God is working way outside the box, and it's in what we're going to see is that the church, the church has a real chance to be 
ignited. We are at a turning point in this time which is like no other in history. God's mission is being fulfilled, and it's happening all over the globe. So as this happens, I think the American church is being winnowed. I think the American church is being judged. Our generation came in with a couple of revivals, the Jesus people and the charismatic revival, the spirit fell, and there was lots of excitement, and we inherited a tremendous amount of wealth from our World War II generation parents, and we spent it all on ourselves. We didn't spend it on missions. We didn't do the missions. Well, our country is being given away to other people, and we're in the midst of this time now where the church that has not been outside of itself, well, now all of a sudden it's, it's going to only be the churches that have taught their people to begin to reach beyond themselves and to give themselves to the immigrant who are going to see themselves existing in 50 years. I would agree 100% with you, Pastor. I do believe we're under under the scrutiny and perhaps judgment of God, but we're also, we have the opportunity to make some changes. Those changes are going to be hard because they deal with culture, and we've already talked about the difficulty there. You founded a ministry known as Mission Chef. The name of it implies the fact that the mission has shifted from over there to right here in our neighborhoods. And you provide the Christian church with the ideas that we can reach out to the immigrant population. Tell us what Mission Shift can do for the local church. Well, Mission Shift, uh, coming up on its 25th year, teaches Christians to build and lead cross-cultural ministries. Tiny little ministries, you don't need money, you don't need a lot of time, you don't need uh, anybody's permission. You notice a, a need Need, you meet some people of, a, of another background, you learn how to learn their culture and be able to communicate with them and seeing their needs. The needs may be the very way of building a relationship to bring the gospel. And so that's what we try to do is teach people how to understand another culture and reach out to it in the way that God is prepared. And so uh, it's, it's a lot of fun and it's, uh, it meets on Monday nights and just south of downtown Minneapolis, free parking, safe, and we have a lot of fun. If people are listening today and they're kind of wondering, well, can I get more information? Where do they go? Missionshift.org. Missionshift.org. It's all one word, mission, and then shift. All the details there, how to sign up. There's some videos, uh, explain what we do, and so on. But it's an exciting time. We're at a time like no other time in human history. And the opportunity, the Twin Cities are just an amazing place. We've got a million immigrants in their families in the Twin Cities now. A million. So you have an opportunity, let's just say, to talk to all of the pastors in our communities. Give me 60 seconds, just 60 seconds, what you would say to them. Pastors, open your eyes. You don't have to do this as your church's ministry. You don't have to run it. But get your people trained so that they can begin to reach out. And some of the people may come to your church that... uh, some of the immigrant people that have a strong enough uh, ego strength and have enough language ability, but just in planting the faith, it'll increase the Church of Christ, even if they create their own ethnic congregation, which you may end up hosting and working with, which is a really a, a fun time. But the first step is to wake up. Thanks, Pastor Roland Wells. Thanks for your insight today on the City Sites podcast. Thank you for joining us today. Every Friday, we bring you this podcast with interviews with people who are challenging the status quo of Christianity and challenging the cultural norms of our day. Please help us get the word out by sharing the link to this podcast with your online friends and family. Our website also contains other podcasters who are part of the City Sites network of communicators, all sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Our website is citysitesurbanmedia.com.
This is the City Sites Podcast Network.